we're talking travel for our sponsor, Travel on King. And Sally Lucas, Europe's always a great destination, but it doesn't hurt to talk about the good reasons to visit it. And there's lots of good reasons for all the different seasons. Actually, I'm a poet now as well, not just a travel agent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, one of them is um, every June and July since 1946, the Nuit de Fourvier Festival say it's thrilled its audience in the Roman Amphitheatre in Lyon, which was the former capital of Gaul. So this year it's already started. It goes from the 1st of June through to the 28th of July. They've got eight plays, three circus shows, seven ballets, over 40 concerts. What more could you want? <laughs> Sounds good. I know. And it's one of France's apparently biggest festivals. And last year they had more than 130,000 spectators yeah, made the trip to one of those performances. And it takes place in this superb ancient theatre situated on Fourvier Hill. So that's one you can keep in mind, even if it's not this year, next year if you're in France. The other one in France is the, they have what they call the Fête de la Musique, which is their French music, um, if you like, celebration. And this is held on the 21st of June every year. And it's an all-day musical celebration and everything is free so all the musicians gather around in little laneways street corners plazas etc and it's about bringing music back to people like even choir opera orchestral uh, professional to amateur musicians and it's celebrated throughout France so that's something that you can really enjoy and get get into um, another is of course in uh, Venice in February now that's winter of course um, and uh, they have they don masks and cloaks and all this sort of thing for the wonderful masks Festival in Venice, and they have lively street theatre, a parade of decorated boats on the Grand Canal, and actors lead you around Venice's hidden courtyards where you meet with scenes involving Venetian characters such as Casanova. Mm. So there you go. Um, England, you can enjoy fireworks and toffee apples in England on bonfire night. They have that on, which was Guy Fawkes night originally, um, November 5. And that's sort of a big celebration where they light all the bonfires. Shame we don't have them anymore, do we? We used to have Empire Day, didn't we? And have the bonfires, which were great. Um, also, Scotland, as they say, go to Hogmanay. And it doesn't matter if it's only four degrees, as they say, and raining steadily, they'll be there celebrating New Year's Eve on the 31st of December and if you happen to be in Edinburgh um, it's a celebration that unofficially goes for about four or five days not just one and you have a huge street party in Prince's Street in Edinburgh on December 31 but obviously wear very warm clothes. <laughs> yes, the Scots know how to party. Oh, they do. Uh, another one in December is the uh, Fiera de Santa Lucia in Barcelona and that takes place in December every year and for it's been going on for about 230 years and they have more than 300 stalls selling everything from Christmas trees to local crafts, food, drink, uh, very Catalan tradition. So that's interesting. Um, Switzerland in December as well. These are the cold ones I'm giving you, of course, as you can tell. Um, early December, Geneva sees the old town come alive with costume locals, food stalls, period drummers and pipers in celebration of a 1602 victory over neighbouring Savoy. And still celebrating. And still celebrating. So you can grab a bag of roast chestnuts or a soup bowl to warm your hands. So that's really quite something. Um, the Tamborada Festival, every January 20 in the dead of night in the cold of winter, the cities of San Sebastian in northern Spain take to the streets to celebrate their patron saints uh, day during what they call Tamborada. And they celebrate this with costumes, singing, dancing, of course, eating and drinking. You wouldn't do anything in Spain without eating and drinking. Um, and then a Christmas market in Europe, of course, well, we all know we've heard so much about the Christmas markets and they're throughout Europe, really, and they're really 
beautiful markets, widely celebrated. All the families and everything come out. It's all to do with local custom, local food, etc. And they even have one in the Shetland Islands, and it's called the Shetland Islands. They say Scotland meets Scandinavia. That's how they describe the Shetland Islands. And the largest settlement, Lerwick, is actually closer to Oslo and Copenhagen than it is to Edinburgh. And it's got a lot of Viking heritage there. And, of course, it's a seafaring Scottish town as well. And they have wonderful celebrations there so, yeah, there you go. There's plenty of winter things to do, as well as the ones that we have that are in summer, but there's lots of wonderful winter festivals. Sally Lucas, we know that Europe's a great place to go, but you've got it's just good to look at the reasons, some of the reasons. Some of the reasons. Go. Well, these uh, five European ambassadors to Australia have given their reasons for why you should travel to their country. So the five countries are Denmark, Croatia, Italy, the Netherlands and Switzerland. So Denmark apparently typically just celebrates its 175th anniversary, which is right smack in the centre of Copenhagen, the capital of Denmark, of course. And it's one of the world's oldest and most beautiful amusement parks. And they, he says, the ambassador for Denmark, it's a perfect place to end a day touring historic Copenhagen with its medieval centre, castles, walking streets, shops and cafes. So if you want to look at the website, it's tivoli.dk. Um, the ambassador for Croatia said that last year more than 17 million foreign tourists visited Croatia and enjoyed the crystal blue Adriatic Sea and thousands of islands. And he says, don't miss the Plitvici Lakes, 12 lakes interconnected by waterfalls, or sites that have UNESCO historical uh, cultural heritage, such as the amphitheatre Arena Pula, dating back to Roman times. And he says also, don't miss the marvellous Renaissance aspects of Dubrovnik and the Baroque town of Varazdin. So I didn't know that town, but I'm going to start Googling that now. I think so. Um, The Italian ambassador says Italy has more UNESCO World Heritage listed sites in any other country in the world. Mm. Um, From the north to the south, there are now officially 53 sites, which include iconic locations such as Venice, Florence, of course, the breathtaking Dolomites and the Amalfi Coast. And this year, he wants to invite people to visit the Jewel of Sicily, Palermo, because it's been officially recognised as the 2018 Italian capital of culture. Mm. So there you go. Nothing to do with, you know... Sicilians that were they're previously known for. <laughs> well, <laughs> so they say. Multifaceted. Yes, multifaceted. <laughs> the Netherlands, of course, um, you've got lovely historical sites there, but as we have discussed this earlier, go to Harlem, Leiden, or Delft. There are other lovely cities where it won't be as crowded and you're still going to get to see spectacular architect- architecture, etc. Um, they say for a whiff of fresh air, rent a bike in Zeeland where you can admire the Delta Works, which is the uh, Uh, which they call the um, barrier that protects their land from the sea. And the ambassador for Switzerland says the best way, of course, to experience Switzerland is its vast transportation network, which we know is excellent, the trains, the ferries, etc. It's world-renowned for its panoramic train journeys. And he says you will not only be stunned by the country's natural assets, but also taste local specialties and gain a better understanding of the Swiss culture and how the country functions. And the mountains are pretty good in Switzerland. Oh, beautiful. Then Terry Dirac, he had a little article on where you should eat the local uh, delicacies, if you like, in a particular country. So he says in Istanbul it's the kebab and you eat it at a place called Zubair Okakbasi. I mean, heavens above. That's hard to say, isn't it? In Vienna, the Wiener Schnitzel, of course, and it's a shop called Skopik and Lon. Uh, Barcelona in Spain, Arroz Negro, and that's the tinted um, 
rice, pass of rice with the uh, black squid ink. Squid ink. Yeah. So he says that's you should go to that La Barra de Carl Arbelin in Rome. Supli and Supli is one of Rome's they say favourite street snacks, which are golden balls of rice similar to arancini, stuffed with a little meat and mozzarella, and then they're crumbed and fried. In Paris, he says the plateau de fruits de mer, which of course is a fruit plateau, and it's all about seafood. These- Yes, seafood. Seaf- seafood yeah. and eat Fruits it. Fruits of the sea. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and of course you get beautiful oysters and crustaceans at the par- at this La Capole, which is a lovely brasserie in Paris. In Amsterdam, the apple tart. And he says a bucket load of apples is squeezed into crusty, almondy, almost biscuity cake scented with traditional speculars, spices of cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg and ginger and topped with lattice pastry. Mm. So, yum, yum. Uh, Lisbon in Portugal, of course, the Portuguese custard tart. Yes. In London, roast beef with all the trimmings. Ah, yes. At Simpsons on the Strand. Right. <laughs> and Copenhagen, the smorgasbord, which of course we know is more like a, a smorgasbord, I guess, where mm. you get all the wonderful delicacies of that Scandinavian region. And in Brussels, the moulfrit, or your fried mussels. Ah. So there's some of the little sights and bites that you can do when you're travelling through Europe. Ah, yes, let's go. Sally Lucas, hot deals time. What have we got in the travel marketplace at the moment? Well, we have been talking Europe today, Jane, so I thought we'd throw this one in. This is a wonderful tour that you're flying into Paris and you have a couple of nights there. Then you're doing a six-night tour of England and Scotland and then you join a nine-night Norwegian fjords cruise out of Southampton back to London and then you come home. Now this all has a leading price of only $5,000 per person around the $5,000 mark, subject to availability and even on the ship you've got all your gratuities included as well. So it's quite a great deal. It's 22 May next year and you've just got to get in early subject to availability of course. So that's fantastic. This is another one, a similar sort of holiday. This is going from Sydney um, and you're flying of course into um, New York and um, you're then having a couple of nights there before you're doing an, an eight-night guided Canada tour and then a nine-night Canada and New, New England cruise round trip from New York as well. That's uh, August this year and you get a, got a free balcony upgrade available on that and that's starting from under $6,000 per person so that's another good one. This one is an Asia fly cruise, uh, valid on sale till 30 June this one and it's for 22 November. It's on the beautiful ship, the Silver Shadow, which is a five-star vessel. And you're actually having two nights in Singapore. Then you're doing a 14-night cruise out of Singapore throughout Asia. And that is really a must, wonderful, wonderful vessel that you could go on the Silver Shadow. I think it's been into Newcastle, actually. As one of the Silver Seas has, I'm pretty sure it's the Silver Shadow. You have a full butler service for every suite. Again, all gratuities. You can have in-suite dining. You have free-flowing premium wines and spirits. And then it finishes in Bangkok and you get a night in Bangkok plus your return air and that starts from under $7,000. P&O, talking shipping store at the moment, have got you only have to pay a dollar deposit. They have this up, usually once a year they bring this out. So they have you only have to pay a dollar deposit on a cruise departing from 1 October onwards and you also get a free room upgrade from an interior to an ocean view room on a range of their ships, the Pacific Dawn, Jewel, Eden and Aria or from an ocean view to a balcony room on the Pacific Explorer. Now that sale finishes 14 August. We were talking winter, and what about Christmas in an alpine village? Mm, And a French alpine village at that. Now this is departing on the 17th of December. It's a beautiful tour. You're having two nights in Paris, two in Lyon, 
And in between Annecy and uh, Chamonix is a place called Cordon, and you have five nights at this beautiful establishment there, and you finish up in Milan. So that is a fantastic program if you're thinking of getting away for Christmas this year. So that's one, and then there's another one doing the Bohemian Christmas Markets, and it's departing 1 and 6 December for 12 days, so that if you're interested in that part of Europe would be wonderful. Um, Aegean cruising around Greece and Turkey, three, four and seven night cruises are on sale at the moment, valid till the end of June with Celestial Cruises. Your three-night cruises have a lead-in from 6.30, around 6.30 uh, to 6.50. Um, the four-night cruises from around the $1,200 mark um, and also you've got seven-night cruises from under 2000 available. And I just thought I'd talk quickly, Jane, Antarctic, and there are so many different ways or vessels that you can utilise to cruise the Antarctic, which means you can suit most budgets is what I'm trying to say because you've got from your expedition cruising up to your five-star cruising now which wasn't the case in the old days of course. Now this one just to give you an example is February next year it's 20 days now that's including your air to Buenos Aires with a few nights and then you're cruising out of there actually and that's then on a large cruise vessel because you're doing the large cruise ship vesseling down to Ushuaia then on to Cape Horn, Shalat Channel, Paradise Bay, Gurlash Strait, Elephant Island, Port Stanley in the Falklands, Puerto Madrid, back, back in Argentina, Montevideo, Uruguay, and back to Buenos Aires and home. Now, that is from under $9,000. That is a pretty good value for money when you're thinking you're getting four nights, five-star cruising, plus your airfares, plus your accommodation beginning and end. There's another one. Now, this is 16 days, but it's uh, just over $11,000, and they've got a whole range of departures from November through to March next year, and it's more on your expedition style of cruising. So you're on a smaller vessel, and it's not for as long. You're still getting some time in Buenos Aires, and then you're actually cruising out of Ushuaia. And lastly, if you wanted to do the ultimate absolute ultimate Antarctica and Patagonia. This gives you two nights accommodation Santiago beforehand and a 21-night all-inclusive cruise on the Seabourn Quest, five-star cruising again, from Santiago to Buenos Aires. So you're cruising all the way down the actual west coast from um, of Chile, all the way down to Punta Arenas, down to Ushuaia, down into Antarctica, back up through the Falklands, then back up via Montevideo to Buenos Aires. That would be an incredible, incredible journey. But that's starting from around about $18,000. And that departs on the 29th of November. So generally, there's a cruise or a package that will suit most budgets. Um, so just, just talk it over with your travel agent. Once we know your budget, then we can find, obviously, the right sort of package that will suit. And a lovely part of the world. A beautiful part of the world. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane.